Ho, ho, ho. From Mary Milheim, directly under the mistletoe that hangs over the pine green center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Santa Claus Bryson with a special holiday episode of Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. This is episode three, the hold everything, it's the holidays episode. You know, in all the excitement and stress of launching this podcast, which I naively thought would be up by late September, I completely forgot that the holidays were swiftly approaching. But although this is my first podcast, I do have years of brewing connections from my writing. So when those holiday episode lights suddenly came on, I reached out to John Trogner, and in about 20 minutes, we set up the rollicking interview you're about to hear about one of the best holiday beers brewed anywhere, the delicious, spicy, cherry-blasted Trogue's Mad Elf. But before we get to that, or the Big Spring Eggnog, or the Mifflinburg Chris Kindlemart Report, and the Stamhouse figurines, or the ridiculously enormous Rusty Rail Holiday Beer Portfolio, let's start this the right way, with a drink. So, of course, I had to have a Mad Elf. I mean, I'm practically interviewing the beer, or at least its creator. <laughs> Mad Elf is a holiday beer that Trogues has been doing for years. It is 11% brewed with a Belgian yeast, so you get a spiciness from that yeast. Uh, there's no spices actually added to the beer. What is added to the beer is wildflower honey and five different kinds of cherries. I'm going to read them to you. Bing... Lambert, Van, Royal Anne, and Montmorency. So a blend of sweet and tart cherries, all in the names of, the name of complexity and, you know, to a certain degree, just fun. Mad Elf is one of my favorite holiday beers, and I, <laughs> I don't usually read the crap that's on the label, but I kind of agree with this one. It's not the holidays until you've had your first Mad Elf. Cheers to that. Wow, you can see the color of the... Uh, of the malts and the cherries there. There's a nice ruddy tinge to the to the amber ale. Mmm. Smell the cherries. Smell the spice. There's a little bit of like a cinnamon clove baking spices. Oh, and there it is. Wow. The honey isn't so much tasted as felt. A roundness. Uh, a, a, a full flavor without being full in the mouth, not a huge mouth feel, but just kind of round and fills the mouth. The cherries are there banging away on the, on the sweet and tart thing. Um, neither of them in preponderance. This is not a tart beer. This is not an overly sweet beer. You know, it's just really good from start to finish. The start has that little bit of tart tang from the, from the cherries, and then it blossoms in your mouth with the the honey and the and the and the sweeter cherries, and then somehow just cleans up at the end. It's really good, and you know we'd never believe it's eleven percent. You take a sip of that and you think, eh, seven percent, I can handle this. Mad Elf is going to have you completely bamboozled if you have <laughs> if you have a few of them. So that's Mad Elf, and I guess it is now officially the holiday season. Cheers. It is the holiday episode, as I said, but it's more than that. I've been a freelancer for over 25 years, so no corporate Christmas parties at some hotel bar for this guy. 
Instead, one day in December, I'll knock off work at noon, whip up some snacks, plate some candies and cookies, and start day drinking. And since that's essentially what the Trogue's Mad Elf interview was going to be, I took along some snacks, some appropriate cookies that my daughter Nora had baked, and some holiday cheer. And I brought Kathy along to drive home because, well, Mad Elf. Buckle up, because here comes the Stag Mad Elf interview backroom party. Hi, guys. Howdy. How you doing? <laughs> Do you mind uh, introducing yourselves? My name's Ed. I'm with the uh, It's Friday Somewhere podcast. You may have heard Lou on our show before uh, if you subscribe to our podcast. Just here along for the ride today. My partner, Bill, couldn't be here because of work obligations, but I'm happy to be here hanging out. Looks like we got quite a spread here, and this should be a lot of fun. And to my left, we have, as always, the guest of honor. Howdy. Uh, my name's John Trogner from Trogues. Uh, co-founder, I guess, technically. Yep. That's what I Co-owner, yes. brewer. <laughs> Whatever has to happen. Um, yeah, we have quite a spread here. I'm looking at a lot of Mad Elf and a lot of bourbon and some uh, smoked meats. What could go wrong? We, we did bring some bourbon, <laughs> and, and we'll get into that. <laughs> Seems but, like a great idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're here today to talk to be, about Mad Elf with, of course, always the constant subtext of how do we formulate and bring to fruition the uh, beer we all call Fat Crispy. So that's uh, that's the real reason we're here. Uh, I love the callback. <laughs> it always goes back to the fat crispy. It always goes back to the fat crispy. We're here about Mad Elf. What, what was the first year you made it, and and where the hell did the name come from? So Mad Elf uh, was two, born in two thousand two. Brother Chris and I, we were making variety cases one day, and uh, when you make variety cases all day long, your <laughs> your conversations tend to wander a little bit, uh, or a lot. <coughs> We happened to get a delivery, um, and as we were unloading the truck, there was a, a load of wine barrels. When we went back to making variety cases, we for were just... The, for someone else. For someone else. Yeah, okay. And we just started dreaming up what we could put in wine barrels. Now, this is back... This is in the year, you know, 2000s, and using wine barrels in beer was not very common, if used at all, other than for lambics. Um, so us dreaming up what we could put in it, I'm not quite sure how we got to cherries, but we came up with, since it was the holiday season, a beer that should be elevated in ABV um, <laughs> because it's the holidays and felt it was festive. I'm not sure how we got to 11%. I think maybe it just happened to work itself out that way. Uh, we love cherries. Probably a bidding process. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we were thinking about getting families together, and we're like, what do we need when we get, to, or what should we have when we get families together? And we're like, well, 11% would probably really work really well. How traumatic was your, your, your holiday experience? <laughs> you were like, keep going, <laughs> keep going, 10, nope, keep going. I mean, it, it was pretty, it still is pretty awesome. You get a lot of family members together, though, and, and it's fun to mix in uh, a beer like this or, or bourbon or, geez, what, whatever, um, loosens up the conversations. <clears throat> So we, we get down the path of... If, if I could just interject, it, it certainly doesn't help or, or doesn't hurt when the beer drinks like it's freaking six and a half. Well, and that was kind of the idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we didn't want to feel the heat. Um, <laughs> so we, we loved Belgian beers, uh, super inspired by subtle, complex flavors. And being the holiday season, we did, we did turn up the, the malt volume and then kicked it with a little local honey. And then we... Or we're a huge fan of Chimay yeast. You know, a little bit of that banana, a little subtle clove and spice without putting spices in the beer. Um, so, so use those nuance of technique 
Uh, we dreamed up Mad Elf. It didn't have a name at the point and, or that point. It wasn't a style of beer that existed. It's still not really a style that <laughs> exists. Uh, and brewed it. So we, we added all the ingredients at once. So you brew it like you traditionally would. And then in the fermenter, we dumped a lot of fermentable cherries. And did you always use the, I mean, you're, you use five different varieties of cherries. Did you always do that? or? Yeah, so the way it works is, you, and especially in those days, you didn't have a lot of resources for sterile cherries. So we, we uh, buy aseptically packed cherries. So Oregon Fruit does a phenomenal job. And they sell it, at that point, they would sell it as tart cherry and as sweet cherry. Oh. So we didn't know what was in it. We just knew <laughs> one was tart and one was sweet. And we came up with the blend, the combination that we liked based on our taste buds, really. Oh, the proportions <clears throat> of The proportions sweet of sweet and tart, not of the five different or nine <laughs> different varieties. Right. It was a little bit of sweet and a whole lot of tart. And then uh, and brewed the beer. Came in, I think it was two days later, for to do tours. So every Saturday we'd come in and do tours. And we could smell uh, the Belgian yeast and, and cherries. And normally when you walk into the brewery, you shouldn't smell the beer that's fermenting in the back of the brewery. So you, <laughs> something was wrong. Something, we were like, uh-oh, this, this can't be good. And sure enough, it had climbed up out of the tank and spilled all over the ground <laughs> to the point where the, the brewery smelled amazing. Um, right. <laughs> but we ended, up, we ended up getting about half as much as we originally uh, expected. And, and these weren't the days when we could do trial runs or small batches. This was a full-on, full-on, I think it was 20 or 40-barrel batch of beer. Oh, wow. Um, so a whole, whole brew. Wow. And we, at that point, we were so young as a brewery, we had, we had no business, you know, wasting that much beer down yeah. the drain. <clears throat> Anyways. Especially uh, one with that much stuff in it. It, had, it was by far the, the most expensive beer we'd ever brewed. Uh, and again, this is pre like heavy dry hopping beers. This is pre yeah. any kind of experimental um, like we do now. That We have a lot more expensive <laughs> beers now. Uh, but anyways. Um, Wait, really? There are oh, beers yeah. you do that are a lot more expensive than Meta? Oh, 100%. Wow. The, the hops alone are outrageous. Oh, okay. Mm. So we, uh, we don't know the name of the beer. Uh, we ended up. Loving how it tasted, and uh, we're only going to sell it, or not sell it, we were going to give it away at that point because you couldn't sell beer in our tasting room. At our tasting room. I remember like, that. Hey, yes. This sounds like a great plan. Lose half of it and then just give it away, <laughs> whatever's <laughs> left. Yeah. Oh, did we mention it was the most expensive beer? Yes. <laughs> I didn't say we were the best business people in the world. <laughs> we were brewers that were trying to brew something interesting and fun. We had a couple uh, local restaurants and bars that were into trying new things, and couple of the places put it on tap right before we put it on tap i remember being at the bar now is called mcgrath so i can't remember if it was called pub at 202 or what it was in an earlier rendition uh, but i was sitting there at the the bar with my brother actually my brother-in-law trying to come up with what the name of the beer was going to be later that night i think it actually came from my brother-in-law called us called us and left a message saying mad elf <laughs> um, he sketched a little elf on a napkin and um, so at least the initial Maybe beginnings of the name Mad Elf came from came from that so conversation. Was it on tap with no name? No, that was right before it was going to go on tap. Right we before, like, okay. we need like the name. Like we can't yeah. sell this <laughs> thing, and we got to sell the beer. Like Trogue's uh, Miscellaneous Christmas Beer. It was going to be Christmas <laughs> Ale that was taken. Yeah, Christmas you can't beer do that. that was taken. Yeah. So like, what the hell do we call this thing? So Mad Elf was born, um, and then took off. Like it was kind of hard. He kind of grabbed a hold of the thoroughbred by the mane and leaned in and. Did whatever we could to keep up with it at first. And in the beginning, it was, well, we, we now say the, the brewery is the 
the brewery that uh, Mad Elf built, basically. So it's, everything's designed around it. The brew house is designed around oh, it. Oh, to be able to handle around. that. Yep. Gotcha. The cellar's designed around it. To be able to, like, not have that beer spill on the ground again, <laughs> you have to design <laughs> things differently. You have to kind of understand what happened there and redesign the whole place. But, yeah, so that's kind of the origin story. Wow. Wow. So um, for the geeks out there, can we get numbers? Yeah. OG, FG, <laughs> IBU, that's a funny one. IBU, I think, is like 14. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're in. So easy. is that just enough hops that it's legally a beer? Is that? Well, hops are natural preservative. So okay. it, it's still, you know, you need the low pH, you need the ABV of some kind, and uh, hops. Okay. So it helps stabilize it. It's in it. It's a very sweet beer, so the hops do balance it a hair. Okay. Mostly, though, the tart cherries are what, yeah. the, the acidity is what balances it. Um, yeah. What is the, I don't know what the original gravity is, 26, 25, something ridiculous. Nice. <laughs> and then you add honey, and, and actually the cherries bring down the, the cherries are so low in sugar that you, really? have to, you have to add more sugar in the, the kettle. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of honey and sugar in the in the kettle. Yeah, the bricks on, on most cherries is, is actually fairly low. It's, I think it's in the 13s or 14s. So you have a beer that's 26, you don't think of cherries pulling down your ABV, but but they do. It, it's not a cumulative effect. A couple of breweries have gotten in trouble that way where they think it's a cumulative effect. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. Math doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, that's I didn't know that. Yeah. What else? Uh, it's a pretty quick fermentation. I think it's uh, about a week. And then we add cherries right at the end so it doesn't climb out of the tank. Uh, and then some... So know, the cherries are going in... Cherries in going ferment. to... Cherries going to... Right at the end of primary fermentation. Okay. So there's... It ferments really fast. So you kind of c- try to catch it on the... As okay. it slows down. You can't wait too long, though, because if you wait too long, it will, they won't ferment out. And we don't like to make little bombs in the bottle. Yeah, so we make, make sure it ferments the whole way <laughs> we like dry beer as well so it is a big beer at 11 percent, but it's still on the drier side compared to some of the more recent uh holiday beers i've had actually and, and we're not talking about kerplunk kerplunk cherries we're talking about puree right so this these now they come in in totes because we use good 20 30 000 pounds of cherries and a tote is a, a tote is a two thousand pound sterilized I know that's a horrible yeah, way to describe like it. It looks like plastic. a cubicle plastic thing on a pallet yeah. that you can pump. It's a free-flowing. Okay. You hook it up to a sterile pump, and you pump it into the ferment fairly easily. Uh, in the past, we used to take Mylar pouches that were like 44 pounds each, climb up a ladder, oh put gosh. the pouch. You dunk the pouch in the sanitizer, <laughs> climb up the ladder with it, toss it in the manway, slit the bag like a belly of a pig, and it spills out everywhere. Oh what an image. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of gushes out. And, so that, and you do like, I don't know, 30 or 40 bags of that into Whoa. a fermenter, and that's a mess. That's it's like the end of carry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not careful. I do remember. So actually, you'd be on a ladder, and I remember another guy, Chris, would, one of our brewers, dunk it and hand it up to me. And if you miss, well, and I missed once, it spilled all over him, just like carry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah, all. So we've, we've modified that over the years. Definitely. There you go. We're not, we're not rolling that way anymore. Work smarter, ah. not harder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So just to confirm, while we're talking about throwing shit in, there are no spices. That's all coming from the yeast. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. There's zero spice. Just and you are still using honey. We use a lot of honey. We use good 30,000 pounds from oh local apiaries. Oh, really? So it is all still local. 
every once in a while we have a bad harvest and we uh-huh. have to reach out to other sources but um yeah we we get as much local as possible and any particular kind like i know well, they, they call it wildflower okay yeah like yeah, i think wildflower means it's honey it's everything i can't identify what right. it is <laughs> it's not clover and it's not a something they can charge more for but uh it's it's very floral it's 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 pretty aggressive honey but when we we add it in the brew kettle and so oh, it ferments okay. out so like you don't you get a little bit of the honey but like the cherries really dominate this thing so is the honey is an alcohol driver or a a, a mouthfeel or both okay uh, but mainly an alcohol driver uh-huh. so we didn't want to just dump sugar in right. so i don't know why we came up with honey but it, it seemed to make sense in our heads to have the acidity of the cherries blend out with uh, the the roundness of the wildflower honey yeah uh, and then you get the spice of the the Chimay yeast or the Belgian yeast, uh, so you get a, bit, a little bit of the spice, a little bit of the floral aspect of the honey, the wildflower aspect, and then the, the sweet and sour cherries. It's so, goofy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> In the day, it was really goofy. Like people were like, "What are you doing? Like this is nonsense." Really? Um, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they they bought it because it was called Mad Elf, and uh-huh. it was the holiday season. And then people loved it. Yeah, I think I was too busy swooning to say anything about <laughs> nonsense. I like, oh, yeah, I think God. I recall you saying that that was the first time you realized that now you have a an actual business brewery that's taken off, and it was like the, the launching pad for you, kind of. Yeah, that was Mad Elf uh, came around at the same time as Troganator and Nugget mm-hmm. Nectar, beers that had uh, not only just a great recipe, but also some story behind it, and then... And, and clearly some staying power. <laughs> some staying power, yeah. yeah. They're, they're all still with us. My favorite tradition, every year I end up, um, not just me, but other people end up bringing two-wheelers full of Mad Elf out to Grandma's trunk because uh, grandmothers travel in from all over to fill their trunk uh, for their family coming home for Christmas. Nice. And I remember I vividly last year bringing out seven cases for, for one really nice <laughs> grandmother <laughs> my goodness super excited about that she's like this is how i get my grandkids to come home i remember i, I had one of those giant ones that was signed by you guys oh, that was original run. yeah og yeah. yeah yeah well um let me let me ask about that now i you're not doing the big ones anymore we can't get the glass really yeah we, we oh. would if we could get the glass i think we can get it if we cork and cage it which we could do but but you're um, doing the, the bales and the ceramic and the is that yeah. what that was because i thought I, I i remember looking at mine and thinking could refill that oh the yeah we had the all right the resealable ceramic lid it's impossible to refill i will say that oh really it's a train wreck (laughs) Um, yeah i'd like to bring that back Um, i'm hoping supply chain clears it up for next year i think there's a minimum order that's like a whole container speaking of seven cases out to the thing and how many makes it how much of it do you make and is it enough it is enough. We have to be careful because, like I was saying before, we designed the whole brewery around Mount Elf. So yeah. we can make too much. Oh. Uh, there is such a thing. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so we have, we're really careful, and every year we, we adjust, and it doesn't grow every year. Sometimes you do more, sometimes you do less. Okay. And the whole idea is just to be there for the holiday season and not have it hang on too long. So it's a constant adjustment, and it tends to go in waves. You tend to have, like, I mean, we're 20 years into this thing now. So, like, every three years it tends to dip, and then it really? turns back and comes back. Good. So huh. I don't know why. I, I can't explain it. But um, So we're really careful on how much we make. 
And, and when is, is there a traditional release date or week? Yeah, the, typically the start of October is when oh, wow. glass rolls out. Oh, okay. <clears throat> And don't you don't you guys just oh it's mad elf season like it's like it's yeah, like a decorate thing. your trees yeah like it's, it's we're in holiday season yep. pre Halloween we're uh, we're in Christmas time at the Trogues that's for sure how but, does that do you have to like get your mind ready for that or do you just look at the calendar and go well, time to go twenty years in I don't have to I mean we brew the beer in <laughs> August we brew the beer in August start brewing it in August and when do you, when do you order the cherries uh, year, years out wow. Because it's a problem. Uh, we order enough cherries now that if it's a bad harvest, you have to scramble. You can order the cherries, or in our case, you contract for the right. cherries. Uh, and this year, for instance, we had to bring them in from Europe. So last year's harvest was late. And not only was it late, it was short. So it was late and short. And then we had a, our yeast didn't work right. So like we were even later. Didn't, Every once, because we only use the yeast like once a year, so you go to go it up, and it doesn't ferment the whole oh. way. You're like, oh, <laughs> that's a problem, because you have to hit that 11% ABV. So w- over the years, we've learned like order your cherries early, get them situated or at least accounted for, and do a, a pre pre fermentation batch. And the you know cherries change every year. Like when they come off the tree, they're they're different every single year. So that blend changes. So, yeah, we have to adjust. There's a lot of planning that goes into a simple beer. Um, I know in the past you guys have been accused of changing the recipe every year, <laughs> yeah. and it's just the, the way the honey and the cherries yeah. coexist, right? Yeah, Isn't the whole, it is. Yeah, the way things pollinate or whatever. Yeah, things are di- – I mean, it's agriculture. It's mm-hmm. different every time. Everything is different. The malt's different. Now, the malt you don't, you don't notice as much. But, and this, of course, you don't know the hops. Like other beers are like, oh, it's not as hoppy this yeah. year. Uh, but that's not a thing from Mount Elf. But, yeah, the cherries are totally different every year. Yeah. So we're like – every year we do a tasting. We kind of figure out what the blend is and adjust the best we can. I mean, I found it amusing that, that vintners can fall back on, ah, it was a bad vintage. You don't have that option. Not really. I mean, it's I guess it could. to be the same. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, Madoff, I think people embrace the idea of the change of the cherries. It's yeah. not always a bad thing. Like, I love when people, like, there's always someone that's like, this is the best <laughs> I've ever had. And there's always someone that's like, it was better last year. Like, it, it's just a matter of who's louder. <clears throat> so there's not a consensus that, you know, deems it a vintage year or not. Um, yeah. So you just amplify the ones that are like, this is the best year ever. And. You just ignore the ones that didn't like it. Now, you said it comes out in glass. What, what formats is it available in? Yeah, so we'll have a 12-ounce bottle. Uh, we'll have 12-ounce can, a half keg, and a sixtal. Okay. Wow, half keg. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, most restaurants, that's what they put on top. Damn. It's mad off time. You know, yeah. You don't mess around. Yeah, like, Why right. bother with a sixtal? Is there a, do you think there's a, a, a best format for it, or... The best format is depending on your occasion. Oh, okay. Oh. So if you, I mean, if you think about it though, like I, I like glass a lot, but not when I'm hiking. So oh, like right. when I hike and want to, I love cooking with Madoff too. Like I have plenty of Madoff, so I can use it for all sorts of different things. So when I'm out of <laughs> camp and I go to cook, I don't want to carry glass with me. So the can is, is perfect, but I am an old school bottle guy when it comes to, to Madoff. I don't, I don't know why. I just like the feeling of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, cracking up in the cap and pouring out Madoff. Yeah. But who am I to say how people should celebrate their occasions? You mentioned the what the the dire potential for making too much. Yeah. I'm not quoting you obviously you don't say shit like dire potential. That's <laughs> sorry, that's that's something I do. You ever cuz I know there have been beers in the past 
where familiarity bred contempt. You know, yeah. it was a it was a beer that people really wanted, really wanted, and then they got as much as they could, and they're like, I don't want this. I mean, do you think about that? Uh, all the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Madoff is lucky in that it connects to the celebratory season, um, and Christmas is always still a thing, so Christmas doesn't seem to go away. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah, right. it's, it's, Christmas is having a pretty good run. I got a pretty good run. Yeah. I think, we're, I think we're, we're, we're good for we're, another couple years. Yeah. A few hundred years yeah. at least. I don't know. Uh, so connecting to the holiday season uh, really helps it. So that's if people it tends to go and people celebrate that season more or less uh, different um, generations or different whatever every three years every five years um, so when the celebratory yeah, goes up that, that three year cycle thing is interesting yeah it's kind of weird yeah um, now sunspots COVID, probably COVID sunspots it's probably it, or, the, or the moon <laughs> you know I hear it I hear it's the moon but uh, <laughs> COVID did a funny thing where you know when people transitioned to uh, beers they were familiar with Madoff exploded. Like we actually couldn't brew enough Madoff because oh, wow. by the time you you have the beer, sorry, by the time you have the demand, the beer's already done. So oh. we we probably could have doubled the Madoff during during COVID. Uh, maybe it was the need for the high ABV, or or, or maybe people celebrated Christmas more. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so this this year uh, we're doing a little bit more, and I think next year we're going to dial back a little bit, huh. just just a little. Um, yeah, just so we don't have too much. We ha- we have enough. We have a little extra Mad Elf this year, so we just ordered in a bunch of bourbon barrels. So we're going to have more bourbon barrel. Great segue. Um, you've got a <laughs> bourbon barrel Mad Elf now. And, oh, my God, he's going to open one. Oh, yes. boy. Isn't that kind right. of the idea? And I don't know about you, Ed. I didn't even find out about this thing until last week. Were you? Uh, not till, uh, and that's just because I'm an, an idiot. But when <laughs> Bill, my buddies Bill and Dave were talking about it, Bill, my co-host, uh, they were bringing it up. And I was like, wait, that's a thing? <laughs> <laughs> and then today when I got here, I was shocked that they still had it in stock because I thought it would have just Oh, flown. just disappeared, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't sure what, what, but I'm glad to be trying this. this I'm really looking forward to this. Thanks. Yeah, tell us more about this, John. Yeah. Well, to the being in stock concept, we want to make sure it's not too hard to get beer in general. Like, I don't, I don't like when... That is a beautiful statement and sentiment. I don't like when there's stress involved in getting beer. It really does stress me out. So I can imagine what it does to other people. <laughs> so at the uh, end of the season, we, every once in a while, you have a little extra Mad Elf and try to figure out what to do with it. And we've made things like Wild Elf and some other beers. And this just made sense. I, so my <laughs> my traditional Christmas Day oh drink God. is Mad Sorry. Elf and Wild Turkey. Not together, uh-huh. but, at, but at the same time. So you like have a Wild Turkey or Old Granddad kind of chaser. Um, I don't know, but it's fancier than a shot of Jim Beam and a, and a pounder of PBR. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. It's like it, I've got Mad Elf, but I've only got Grandpa's liquor cabinet to go through. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was my my father. I was at my father-in-law's house, and he had old Granddad everywhere. Oh, there you right. go. Yeah, I I brought Mad Elf, and you know, a tradition was born a long time ago. And you uh, may have told us what you what barrels did you put this in? Wild turkey. turkey. Wild turkey? All yeah. right. It's it's, kinda, kinda I'm going to be honest with you. It's really damn good. Oh, my God. It's good. Yeah. Mm. See, I have a problem when, when brewers leave it in too long. I don't this, – this is a good – This one's all right. This is a good mix. Elf really, uh, really ages well really well. Um, yeah. The, the barrels are tough because you never know how they're going to come in condition-wise. Yeah. So if they're wet, they, it doesn't take long. Right. Um, this one took a little longer. And that's why no one knew about it because we were 
we were waiting and tasting and waiting and tasting. And it wasn't, I mean, the, the beer's ready when it's ready. Yeah. Uh, and it was just in time. Uh, actually, I think we just ran it last week. Whenever I was texting you guys. Um, so, yeah. Wife Kathy and my daughter Nora made some uh, cookies for this interview. Uh, we have a vanilla dried cherry cookie for with the Mad Elf. An oatmeal stout cookie that was made with the, uh, what is it, 472? Scratch? I knew you were going to ask me the number. Yeah, I think it's 472. I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, those cookies are good. This is, you just mentioned stuff you do with leftover elf. And I, I, some, obviously, you did the bourbon barrel elf. And then you have the... Uh, you have the Grand Crew, and, um, and this is obviously the a... The stronger uh, version of Matto. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I heard that from... I can't remember where I heard that. Evidently, um, I, I had that wrong. What is the Grand Crew, and, and how did you come to that one? I forget what, how, why we got to this, but we were playing around with Balaton cherries for a different recipe. Uh, I think it actually was an old brune that we were going to blend in some Balaton. And the Balaton is like really sweet, but also tart at the same time. Really deep in flavor. And actually have kind of a spice flavor. So they have a little bit of a, it's cinnamon and clove, but it's not cinnamon and clove. Like it's, it's cherry cinnamon and clove. So as we're tasting this, I'm like, this, this is actually like, if I was going to do Mad Elf today, mm-hmm. this is what I would do. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't familiar with those cherries at the time. Uh, so we brewed a batch, regular malt for Elf, same honey, same everything except cherries. We literally just took out the tart and sweet and put in Balaton. We're like, oh, just Balaton. Just the Balaton. Just yeah. one one variety from Michigan. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty pretty sharp. It's pretty awesome. So we, Grand Crew, you know, the, the brewer's choice, or the brewer's reserve, what do you want to call yeah. it? Keep it super simple and did that. Put yeah, it I, I find that interesting that it's actually simpler it than is. Mad Elf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, so now we actually ferment the Balaton wine separately mm. and blend it in. Oh, wow. So we have more control. Uh-huh. Because, again, the cherries change every year. So yeah. it's Spalaton, but they're different. So we can blend in the amount that matches. I know it's goofy. Yeah. Because we can't use vintage. I mean, I guess we could, but. We could, but. We don't. Yeah. Maybe ne- next beer we will. So you mentioned that, well, we both said it was, it was simply Naked Elf. I mean, that's a, a throwback. Is that, that was Elf without the cherries? cherries. and honey. Without yeah. the cherries or the honey. Yep. There's just the malt and the yeast. That's it. Huh. Keep it simple. And is he still floating around the woods somewhere? Or? So Christmas in July, he probably is floating around the woods <laughs> with the flying mouflon. Yeah, right. Uh, every July we, we, we roll him out and kind of celebrate Christmas in July. So if there's extra elf, that's when we bring that out in July and do a little little naked elf. That one's a little goofier. doesn't have as long uh, uh, large a following because uh, uh-huh. it's basically a kind of like a Belgian double, which... There's like 10 of us that love Belgian doubles. I was going to say, that you don't see those very often. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But we all, like, the 10 of us really like I it mean, a lot. It's a great beer for food. Right? Oh, my God. Double is just the best. Seriously, I mean, if it, double, Pilsner, and Oktoberfest. That's all just, I need. Just put the word New England in front of all of them. You're fine. Oh, boy. You said you did do a Sour Elf? We did a Wild Elf. Okay. Um, so we... We went, I've been down this path of mixed fermentation, and I'm really hoping to bring this back. But uh, there's some really great uh, local cherry farms. So we were, we were trying to get local cherries, mm-hmm. which we can. You just have to pit them because you can't have oh. pits in fermentation because arsenic's not real great for, for you. Good. 
so we got a cherry pitter and gets these local uh, local cherries in and uh, made some some wild elf. So it's mixed fermentation. It's the same base beer, uh, same ABV, but fresh cherries that we pit and add to fooders um, that have mixed organisms in the oak itself. Uh, it gets kind of funky and a little sour, and it's a totally different thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Which we were, uh, and I'm super excited to do again, but during COVID, we we kind of lost track of pretty much our whole mixed fermentation program. Um, so we, it's going to take us a little bit to get that back up and running. But yeah, Wild Elf, we're probably two years out from, from Wild Elf. It takes a year to make, so. And the wow. ABV is roughly the same? It's a little lower. Okay. Yeah, we're shooting for the, to let the bugs grow. Um, it doesn't do real well. Oh, they're a lot more sensitive? They're a lot more sensitive. Okay. So you use less hops. You actually use aged hops so you don't kill off all the lacto. And I think that was down at 9 EBV. I'd have to look. Okay. We try to foster that growth. Did you ever boost it like like an elfinator? An elfinator? Yeah. A double elf? <laughs> we can't get the yeast to go any higher in EBV. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the boost is putting it in bourbon barrels. Oh, okay. And then that's on, the, I think, 13 or 14s. I don't know if I put that on here or not. Wow. Ouch. So you, you're definitely using wet barrels. Well, not only that, the angel share happens. So oh, as you age okay. it, it condenses. So the water's coming out. Yep. Huh. Yep. But most of it's from wet barrels. So I think that's, I, w- I want to say that one's 13. So it's not a little beer. Okay. I mean, that's about as high as I need to go. <laughs> yes. Right. I think you're pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to go further than that? There's always bourbon. I mean, that's kind of the idea. Like, once yeah. you're past that 13, 14 mark, like... Yeah, don't screw around. Don't you need something else? Yeah. Um, the other idea, one of the other ideas... <laughs> yes, <had> always. <laughs> the uh, the cocoa elf, the um, the cordial elf, like a cherry cordial, any chocolate? Or do you just... Ooh, that's a good blend idea. Blend that with grand cacao. Wait, what? Oh, chocolate elf? Yeah. Yeah, so that's grand cacao and so elf blended. Yeah, okay. But so I do like this idea of a cordial elf. I might yeah. have to pursue that a little bit. Yeah, because then you could do the spice, a little bit of rum action. Ooh. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll beta test it. I, I was going <laughs> to say, I volunteer. <laughs> yeah. Let's find that blend. Another idea, and going back to that, uh, that ABV level, do you do any cooperation with the distillery? Do you distill any of your beers? The elf distill. Elf would dist- elf does distill very well. I've had <laughs> I've had some. We just started working with Hidden Still. So Hidden Still is right up the road. Makes some really great stuff. It's pretty neat. So we're gonna do a collaboration where we're sending up some Troganator and they're gonna distill it off, kind of based on that run, and then age it. It's gonna take a good three years or so, but um, age it in some some full size barrels and probably won't suck. <laughs> no, that sounds actually amazing. Yeah, it was really good, but I, just white. So then, of course, the last idea I had was Das Fettes Elfenlager, which would be the Fat Crispy <laughs> Elf. <laughs> das Fettes Elfenlager. Sorry, I, I mean, I, the thing I hate most on podcasts is when people do inside jokes, but I can't get away from the Fat Crispy, <laughs> which, which I mean, would, would essentially be a, a well-attenuated, what, Maybach? Is that what we were thinking? That's, I think that's the route we were down. I have yeah. a, a uh, we call it a Doppel, Doppelschwartz beer uh, that we just canned off. Uh, isn't out yet, but I'll send some with you guys. That is, it's basically a Schwartz beer, but at 7.5 ABV. Nice. So it's super dry and could maybe be a fat that, crisp. Last minute elf question. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's mid-December. It's a holiday beer, and it's 
great on its own, but where does it fit on the holiday menu? I know you have a lot of opinions about beer and food. What do you what do you mm. like it with? So when I pop in the turkey on Thanksgiving into the oven in the morning, it Mad Elf gets cracked. Um, so you, you know, I start the day with with Wait, Elf for drinking or for well, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were pouring it on the turkey. I'm like, I mean, who do you think odd. you're talking to? Here? <laughs> might it might actually be a good idea. I should probably try it that way, but. No, so from a food standpoint, since it is on the sweeter side and it does have some acidity, it pairs well with a lot of things. You have to stay away from vinegar, just stay away from, like, sulfury Brussels sprouts. But other than that... Oh, my God, so it's like wine. It is. Yeah. It's definitely like wine. So if you, I, that's how I treat it. Ham, turkey, desserts, anything umami, anything rich and luscious, um, it, it, it balances out or complements really well. How is it with ham? Yeah, ham's perfect because you perfect. get the smoke, you get the saltiness, and you get, you know, the fattiness of the ham, especially if it's a uh, like a glazed ham a glazed of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Can you make a glaze with that stuff? Uh, I've made, yeah, so Mad Elf. There's a couple different things with Mad Elf. If you take Mad Elf and reduce it down with with uh, soy sauce, Szechuan peppercorn, um, peppercorn, and a little bit of sugar, you end up getting this, like, crazy umami barbecue sauce uh, and then if you put in uh smoked mushrooms we can go really down this path um <laughs> or a katsubushi <laughs> they're laughing at me like crazy uh you can really have some fun with it i just okay. feel like you're on a mythical quest at that point you're like it's just whatever you, that's a that's a lot of detail though i'm just like i just like to glaze a turkey and see what happens with it but that actually sounds awesome well or i've had a mad elf reduction before at one of the food pairings at I'm going to go old school, Garlic Poet in New Cumberland. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. Like, wow. really good. Yeah. Elf, pineapple, uh, reduced down with a little brown sugar. Yeah. yeah. He's got such a great start already. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. mess it. You kind of can't mess it up. If you do, you're an idiot. I mean, holy hell, you know. Challenge accepted. <laughs> just roll, but. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I think we're going to uh, we're gonna call it a day. And thanks for thanks for having us here. Thanks for the beers. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having me. This has been enjoyable. Oh, this is, it's, it's so nice. I have no pressures. This is in my podcast for once. I'm like, <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this is sorry, really fun. Sorry, Bill couldn't be here. Uh, uh, me too. Hey, me too. He'll be here for the Miss next you. one. He, yeah. he, he decided to get important at his job. So like me, yeah. I'm just a plea. I'm like, I need a half day. My boss is like, please don't come back. So, uh, yeah. See you next year. But no, I, I appreciate all this stuff and all you guys do for us. It's, it's really amazing. And I, I could not be more thankful. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks uh, for having uh, us on. I'm glad to be here. Cheers. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Take it easy. Flo, it's time for another drink. And now a little something different you may have noticed no no can cracking open no bottle popping i'm doing a uh, a hot chocolate bomb these are made by sylvia stalsfus i don't even have a anything but a phone number for her this is right off the right off the label uh 814-482-8047 it's a howard number um i know they have these at burkholder's country market in uh milheim spring mills and they are Hot chocolate bombs. Put them in a mug. Pour hot milk over them, which I just did. Uh, I have the uh, mocha chocolate bomb. It is, sure enough, melting up. I'm going to pause here a sec, and we will come back as soon as this thing is all melted. Okay, we. 
melted through the outside and uh, the inside is full of more chocolate and mini marshmallows and instant coffee and it just kind of popped on me here. Um, this is looking really good and it smells fantastic. It's got a um, chocolate cocoa coffee smell going. Um, the marshmallows all over the place. So you guys like marshmallows in your hot chocolate? Uh, they have these in white chocolate, in peppermint, in just straight up original chocolate. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is, is part of the fun, the bomb. So um, I thought it'd be fun and, and very holiday. So I picked one up at Burkholder's because, you know, it doesn't get a lot more local than some Stolzfus woman putting her phone number on a, <laughs> on a label and sticking it out there. So, here we go. Oh my goodness, that's rich. Wow, that's really good. Mm. And the little marshmallows are fun, I'll admit it. Wow, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to share this with my wife. This is really good. It's a lot of fun. They're in lots of flavors, and Burkholders has enough of them that it's going to last definitely through Christmas. I think they have these at uh, Mackeyville Greenhouse over in Mill Hall as well. I'm not sure about that. But I already gave you the number. Give Sylvia a call. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. And speaking of creamy, delicious drinks, the holiday season brings once-a-year releases of fun drinks and foods. Mulled wine, boozy candies, spiced ales, panettones, sparkling wines. One of the holiday standards that makes eyes light up is eggnog. Well, it lights up my eyes. I know some people put eggnog in the same category as fruitcake, but in small doses, it's wonderful. Rich, creamy, spicy, and definitely boozy. Big Spring Spirits in Belfont does an eggnog that has become a holiday tradition for a lot of locals. Tasting room manager Lucy Rogers makes it from an adapted family recipe. I went over there recently to try it and to talk to her and head distiller Philip Jensen about how it gets made. You can get it to go, in small amounts, but only through Christmas. Big Spring Spirits, uh, with Lucy Rogers and Phil Jensen. Say hi. hi. Hello. How are you okay. today? Cool. I'm, I'm better after a sip of this. This is your, your eggnog. Do we have a name, or is it just called nog? We just call it eggnog. It's pretty classic in its flavor profile. Okay. Uh, what we do differently is that we also put it in our slushy machine. So we do an eggnog slush, and it's the exact same recipe as what we don't freeze, but it's hugely popular uh, as a slushy. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, what can you tell me about the recipe? Well, it sort of is a morph from a family recipe that came from a colleague of my father's who was from Tennessee, and she actually used it with, um, she made it with Southern Comfort and white rum. So basically the ingredients, I think, for any eggnog are basically sugar, spirits, uh, and you kind of let that sit together for a while, let the sugar dissolve, um, and then you add half and half. So that was the original flavor profile that I grew up with, that my mom made every year, and that was what I wanted to duplicate. And we've had to go through several iterations here because we didn't always have aged whiskey. Mm. So the first year we made it, we got pretty close. We used some spiced rum and we used white corn whiskey. Okay in you know varying amounts to get the right flavor and then as whiskey aged we were able to tweak it a little bit but ultimately in the end it's white rum spiced rum and american whiskey that we use as our spirits mixed with sugar 
and then we let that sit for a little while. You kind of beat that up until it gets nice and fluffy, this nice yellow color. Oh. And you kind of let that sit for two hours, and then you kind of stir in the half and half. All the eggs. Yeah, right, the eggs, sorry. I forgot oh, the eggs. I forgot the eggs. These are, these <laughs> egg yolks. Eggs. Right. Oh, yes, okay. yes, and it's only egg yolks. Wow, thanks, Phil. <laughs> so, right, it's sugar, and spirits, and egg yolks. When we're talking about about mixing this what what size vessel are we talking about well we're making it in such volume now that you we're doing you know cups and cups of sugar i think for a two and a half gallon batch we use four dozen egg yolks yeah uh it's high cholesterol (laughs) it's just a half and half and then uh so basically you take the eggs and the sugar and you whip that together first then you add the spirits let it sit and then after that, sit for a couple hours, then you add the half and half. And so back when my mom would make it for the holidays or if she was having a party, then you would keep the egg whites and you would whip the egg whites into a fluff oh. and then fold them into the punch bowl with the wow. eggnog so you had that foam on top, sprinkle yeah. it with a little nutmeg. And then my mom's little pro tip would be she would buy commercial eggnog, frozen. She would buy it and freeze a block of it and then put that in the bowl so that it would keep the eggnog cold without diluting it. Wow, sure. So, wouldn't, wouldn't it? No, wow. and then it was only adding eggnog flavor. Yeah. Um, and I think for me personally, I think this is the consistency that it should be. It should be pretty thin. It shouldn't, like when you buy a commercial eggnog, I feel like it's really thick. Like it has mm. like almost like this, it's like a gloop. It's like heavier than half and half when you pour it out I'm of sure a container. Thickeners. Thickeners this is, this and preservatives, like, et cetera. This is like drinking half and half. Actually, it's not even that thick. It's not even that thick, right? No. The so, I, I the spirits lighten it up some. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's interesting, too, is because you think that it's... I don't really know what the proof is. I suppose I could work so backwards figure and figure it out. It out. <laughs> but you definitely feel it. Like, people think, oh, like, you're going to have a little eggnog, and you're not going to... But, oh, you know, one glass, you're pretty Merry Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, you, Phil's done some experimenting with other sort of holiday beverages. What was the one you wanted to do that was a milk? Oh, I made milk punch one year. Milk mm. punch. Which is just basically you coagulate all the proteins out. Right. And it turns kind of cle- yellowish, mm. but clear. Yeah, the first time I had one, I was like, there's, what do you mean, milk? What? 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 Right, so is there Actually, rum in I, that? Did you no, make... You, yeah, I'm trying to remember now. I brought the added alcohol, and, and, and I recall some lemon, too, mm-hmm. to help it precipitate. Oh, right. Actually, I still have some on my kitchen counter. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it looks fine. Yeah. I like it. It's actually the cream afterwards, all the solids. Oh, yeah? That was, I don't know, spread that on, on like a shortbread. <laughs> oh. At least not want that. Kind of clotted cream, sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But what did you use? Did you use whiskey or rum? I'm sure I probably use whiskey. Mm. That would be well, yeah, more traditional. That's, well, that's also well, milk punch. More well, of what course. I would do. <laughs> I understand <laughs> that. Preference. I understand that for sure. So, um, when does this become available? Is it available already? We have now decided that it becomes available the Wednesday before Thanksgiving every year. Okay. So we sell it, um, as I said, frozen. You can get it to go either way. You could okay. get it in a glass to go, or you can get it frozen to go. We try not to sell it by the liter because that's a lot of egg cracking that goes on. It's pretty, it's pretty labor intensive, although we have done it and people really go nuts over it. So you kind of want to do it, but you kind of realize that it's, I mean, we're making t- over 10 gallons of eggnog a week, which is somebody spending a lot of time separating eggs. And then what do you do with all the egg whites? Phil takes them and makes meringue Meringues. sometimes. Yes. You know how much meringue you need to make a dozen meringue cookies? About three tablespoons. Oh my God. So yeah. we've had like liters yeah. of egg white. <laughs> It's good for whiskey sours. And this will be good. You'll, be, you'll have this 
through Christmas. Through and Christmas. then it's gone. Yeah, We're not yeah, doing it no again more, no more. until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. How many right. eggs are we talking about here? Four dozen in a two and a half gallon batch. And you'll sell. We'll do 10 gallons in a week. Oh my God. Pretty easily. So for a month. So for a month. Yeah. And eggs aren't cheap right now. No. No. So, oh, yeah. Wow. But, you know, it's once a year. Oh, yeah. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. And Christmas. we have a reputation for it now. Like, it's really good. So yeah. people come looking for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing. I, I would maybe like a little bit. Yeah, of I, yeah, I didn't do that on yours, Which, but sorry. Okay, that was fine. a demo. No, that's fine. When that's, we serve it, normally, normally that happens. Around. Yes. Okay. We usually All do right. that. Well, yeah. thanks very much. Yeah, pleasure to do it anytime. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Another drink? Don't mind if I do. What I'm drinking today is Samuel Smith's Winter Welcome Ale. This is from the Old Samuel Smith Brewery in Tadcaster, England. It is a common import. You can find this at, uh, oh, at Wegmans, at Better Beer Distributors. comes in a four-pack, and every year the front label is uh, a cute little work of art, very English-themed. Uh, this year it's the uh, Platinum Jubilee for Queen Elizabeth uh, with, a, with a crown. Sam Smith Winter Welcome is a bit of a throwback. It's a the kind of winter beer you don't often see anymore. It's just a nice, malty British ale. And it, I believe it's only 5.5%. That's the number that I remember. Oh, sorry, 6.0. Not a huge beer, not tiny. Mmm, just smells like sweet, nutty malt. A little bit of earthy hoppiness. Mmm, oh man. You can always tell that British ale, you're getting some of the yeast... Uh, there's a little bit of bitterness there to balance things out, but it's it's full in the mouth without being cloying because the, the hops, they are not the kind of hops that you are used to if you drink American beers. These are, are British hops. They have a different character to them. They're not piney. They're not citrus. They're not floral. They're more earthy, uh, and that may not sound delicious to you, but once you get used to them, nothing else will do. Mm. Wow, that is so good. So good. A soothing beer, a comforting beer, a fireplace beer, a winter welcome. Thanks, Sam Smith. Thanks. One of the traditions of our holiday season, since we got our house in Milheim, has been the Mifflinburg Christ Kindlemart. It's a three-day craft and food fair in about five blocks of the town. And surprisingly to me, they actually serve drinks, too. But before we get into that... There's another Christmas attraction you should know about in Mifflinburg, the Stam House. Kay Stam and her husband, Guy, have been making unique Christmas and Halloween and Easter decorations in Mifflinburg for years. Because seen through a glass isn't always going to be about drinking, though it is, mostly, I went over to meet them. Chris Kindlemart might be over, but you've still got time to get the Stam House and get some Santas and pigs and pretzels and a whole lot of Krampus. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so you've got a, a, a shop full of, well, a little bit of everything Christmassy right now. Santa and Krampus and pigs and pretzels and. <laughs> you name it, anything Christmas. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, you do have other stuff. You've got candy. You've got books. You've got got novelties. This little toy yeah. train that comes yeah. in a tin that you yeah. just showed me. Some children's things, but our main. Uh, business is making German reproductions and right now we're doing the Santas. Okay and and what's what's the material? 
Material is a fiber composition that we use uh, very, very much, actually pretty much <laughs> exactly like they did in Germany oh. years ago. We're talking like 100 years ago. Okay. And everything is molded off of an antique original. The, we, the, we, the mold is the original? or the No, we buy ah. the antique original Santa. Okay. And then my husband makes a mold from it. Wow. And then, well, it's actually starts, it's a series of molds to get to the final one. And then we pour this uh, mixture into it and cast, you know, make a cast of it. Uh-huh. And then when it comes out and it's dried, I paint it and, you know, embellish it with um, things they used on the originals, like mica instead of uh, fake, what you would call glitter nowadays. Uh-huh. Mica is a mineral. And it's very shiny and shimmery, and it looks like snow. Neat. And uh, if there's trims on it, we do trims. Each belschnickel, which is what most of them are called, holds a little feather tree made out of a real goose feather. <laughs> so that's that's what nice. we do. We do candy containers. We do snowmen. We do uh, elves. We do anything from probably four inches up to forty-two inches. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, not for this holiday, but you do you do other holidays as well. I think we right? do Easter and Halloween. Okay. Yes, yes. We're a seasonal shop, and we're only open uh, close to each holiday for Christmas. Of course, a couple months, but Halloween and Easter, we're more like a month or two. Okay. And you're here on on Chestnut Street, Route Chest- 45. Chestnut Street, Mifflinburg. We're open Fridays and Saturdays, uh, nine to five. Uh, we do close after Christmas, and we won't be open for a while, but you can always call and check our Okay, know, our and, hours. And, and you're on Facebook? I am on Facebook under K-Stam, and okay. you can follow the crazy antics we do in our studio, <laughs> which you may like, you may not like, I don't know, depending on my mood on the day. I found it amusing. <laughs> <laughs> you never know who you're going to encounter on my workbench. <laughs> or what the Santas will be saying to each other on my workbench. Ah. <laughs> So now, one, I don't know, one, let's say a, a roughly foot-tall Santa, how long will that take you to, I mean, from from pouring uh, to painting? From start to finish, let's say just from the pouring point to finish, a few days. Okay. Yeah. We What we try to do is when we mold, my husband will mold in big groups. And I they don't come to my section of the studio until there's like maybe a... 10 12 of each one so i'm working oh. in in groups otherwise i'd never get anything done gotcha so you I, what you'd like paint all the beards and i paint stuff it like all that? yeah it's all hand painted by me okay. my husband does not paint nor would i ever let him attempt to <laughs> okay so, he is the mold man i'm the painter woman and and how long have you been doing this over 30 years wow wow Long time <laughs> yep i started this business in new mexico oh and uh, when my husband retired, we moved here and moved the business with us and have had a, several locations here in Mifflinburg. But, uh, so why here? Nice little town. Okay. You know, we had two boys that were still young in school, and it was a good place to grow up. I grew up in uh, State College. Oh. My husband actually is from Hawaii. Oh. And we were not going to go there to live <laughs> because of the cost of living. Uh-huh. And we we came here from uh, Albuquerque. Okay. And um, decided that this was a nice little town. So we've been here 
Oh, quite a long time, but yeah, I've been in this business over 30 years now, wow. so I'm getting towards the retirement age. <laughs> I mean, I have to ask, how did you how did you come across it? Why did you start this? Did you uh, do something similar before? Yeah, or? well, my husband was a woodcarver okay. in his spare time, and I had a woman in New Mexico who actually became my mentor, and she brought me a paper mache pumpkin. An old one uh, that you would get in the 40s or 50s here in the U.S. It was like a candy bucket. And she asked my husband to carve it for mm. her. And we looked at it for a while and said, you know, that's a lot of carving, a lot of time. Maybe we could make a mold of it. And he liked to figure things out. And he figured, he taught himself basically from books and videos how to make a mold. Wow. That's kind of what started it. And as soon as we started it, it just kind of ran with itself. And uh, it went from jack-o'-lanterns into turkeys for Thanksgiving into Santas. And the woman who started it, she became my lifelong mentor. Oh, so, wow. yeah, she uh, was a really really amazing little tiny woman who taught me a couple things about business she said own what is in your store mm. um, and don't ever give away your sources she lived by that she had a wonderful antique store in New Mexico and sadly she passed away a couple years ago at 90 years old but I learned an awful lot from this woman yeah. so anyway that's how we started okay and I'm still doing it <laughs> So there, there was one other thing. I, I, you mentioned the the Bell's Nicole, the Krampus, whatever. Did you start with those? Were they added? It's just the reason I ask. They really seem to have surged in popularity over the last ten years. Well, you know, there's so many different uh, versions of stories that came out of Europe about. St. Nicholas and Krampus or the Belschnickel. I mean, it, it kind of went by the area that, you know, what the story kind of tweaked and changed over the years. We've always made Belschnickels, okay. which is originally it was kind of the best way to describe a Belschnickel was it was uh, Santa's sidekick who, if the kids were naughty, punished the kids. But I, I think it's more... I don't know. The version now, I think, is more Krampus was St. Nicholas's sidekick. Oh. So we actually only started doing Krampuses the last, oh, it's been several years now. I can't remember exactly when we started making Krampuses. But Krampus has really gained in popularity. Who would think a guy who comes and steals children and probably beats them to death right. would be, you know, gain in popularity? <laughs> But that was the the legend of the Krampus. So um, we just started making Krampuses in different versions. And then, like I said, we've always made the Velschnickels. So. I mean, the, the one that caught my eye was I've never seen a, a couple Krampuses oh, before. Oh, the, the girl the, and the boy. Yes! Yeah, yeah, the girl and boy. The girl is new this year. Yeah, yeah. it looks like it's ready for the top of a wedding cake. Yeah, really. Hey, whatever <laughs> rocks your world there. Right. You know, it's like, but it's, it's an interesting character. Some I've had a few customers go, oh, that's a devil. No, it's not a devil. The Krampuses like we make, we make Krampuses that look like they did on the old postcards from Europe. Mm, mm -hmm. And you have some of those cards. Mm -hmm. We yeah. do, actually, we do our own cards, too, uh -huh. so we have some over here. But, uh, yeah, who would think that Krampus would be a, <laughs> a hot item? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we spend how many hours in the studio, but when we get, you know, when we're working for Christmas, we're in there, you know, 16 hours a day. My, me, my, you know, myself, my husband, and our Rottweiler. Oh. <laughs> she sits there and just looks at us, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, okay, is it time for bed yet? But uh, that's what we do back there. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate you're it. Welcome. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm going back there to make more Santa's. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Good. You're welcome. Bye-bye. One more drink. Since we're in Mifflinburg, how about something from Rusty Rail Brewing's holiday portfolio? I'll be telling you about the whole thing shortly, but I brought one home to do a live tasting. Consider it a preview. This is the Snow Flyer. It's a chocolate hazelnut porter, and I will say right up front, I'm not a huge fan of hazelnut, but this just smelled good, and I gotta admit, the label had me going. It's a, uh, looks like either a Model A or Model T running through the snow with half tracks in the back and skis out front, and I just looked at that and thought, wow, I, I hope that exists, because <laughs> I want to take a ride in it. Rusty Rail does have some fantastic labels. But let's try the beer. Let's stick to that. This is 5.5%. It is a porter. It's got some Maris Otter malt in it, which is interesting. Maris Otter is a, a, a heritage barley strain. It also has uh, chocolate malt, black malt, uh, some flaked oats, and it does have hazelnut extract and cacao nibs. Wow, it smells just as advertised. You can definitely smell the hazelnut, but it's not overwhelming. The, the cocoa comes through the roast of the malt is right there with kind of a, a coffee thing. This is like a it's like a really intense flavored coffee. Let's try it. And that's that's what I really like about these Rusty Rail holiday beers. This is not sloppy sweet. This is not overdone on the flavors. You can taste the chocolate, you can you can taste the hazelnut, but none of it is gross or sticky. You can taste the coffee of the of the roasted malts. And all of it still remains refreshing. Some of the big, really sweet beers, low attenuation, you'll say, oh, well, this is like dessert in a glass. This is more like a candy on a plate. It's not overdone. It's not a whole soup bowl of, of sweet stuff. It's a beer with some stuff added. Mm. Wow, like I said, I'm not really a huge fan of hazelnut, but I'm going to finish this. That's actually really good. I've been impressed by these Rusty Rail Christmas beers, holiday beers. They they show a, a deft hand with flavorings and a refusal to go too far, which I appreciate. And now, the Mifflinburg Chris Kindlemark Annual Report. The Chris Kindlemark really came back this year after missing a year during the pandemic. This year was pretty much back to normal. Crafts, eats, drinks, music and he'll be the skinny German juggle boy. Chris Kindlemark lasts three days, December 8th through the 10th. I talked to some of the folks at the event. The audio's a bit rough. I was working with a handheld mic in a crowd, talking to busy people, but it's fun. First up, Sandcastle Winery, serving their Alpine Spice wine. I talked to Joe, who was very busy pouring his hot spiced wine, because it was a really cold afternoon and, well, free wine. I'll have some yes. Okay. Nice. And we're at the Mifflinburg Chris Kindlebart, and you're pouring hot wine. Is it a, a, a hot spiced wine? It is a hot spiced wine. It's Chardonnay and Riesling grapes with added herbs and spices. 
designed to be warmed up in the wintertime. Outstanding. There you go. There you go. We've been at this festival for over 20 years now, serving Christmas in a glass. Nice. And your name is? Joe. Joe. Well, thank you. Nice to meet you. Merry Christmas. Nice to meet you. Merry Christmas. Next, I talked to Becky Eshelman, whose family has been bringing the incredibly traditional Svestian Menline, prune men figures, to the Mifflinburg Chris Kindlemart for years. Okay, uh, I am at Mifflinburg Chris Kindlemart, and you are? Becky Eshelman from Hagerstown, the prune lady. Ah, and you make the prune people. Yes, I do. They are, uh, well, I'll, I'll, you can see a picture on the, uh, on the Instagram, but they are, what are they prunes on a wooden frame, is that? Prunes, the body? The body is figs, and the arms and legs are prunes, and the head is a walnut, and the nose. Oh. The nose is a cloves. <laughs> yeah. And this is a this is a traditional. Yes, it's an old German legend. Okay. Yep. What on earth is the legend? <laughs> you got time for all those? <laughs> Go ahead. So this old guy was really sick, and the neighbor kids felt bad for him and nursed him back to health. And when he got better, he wanted to uh, pay them, but he had no money, of course. And so he went into the woods and was thinking about this, and he collected some sticks and some fruit, and he turned them into uh, little dolls for them. Oh! Now, in Germany, if you see a chimney sweep walking down the street, you run over and try to get some soot on you. It's supposed to bring good luck. So the chimney sweeps are the most popular ones. Oh, okay. And they're supposed to bring good luck. And then um, each year we make a new one. This year the Traveler is the new one. Oh, okay. Um, but... Oh, it's a little globe? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So we got a little carried away. Our display has gone <laughs> further than just Chimney's <laughs> and, and how long have you been coming here? Um, myself, about 15 years. But my aunt, I came when I was a little kid with my aunt and helped her. And wow. She's been here, she was here for 30 years. Uh-huh. And so yeah, this, this yeah. little guy is 35 years old. Oh my goodness. Let me get a, let me get a picture of that real quick. That's, uh, wow. They, uh, they do hang on, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Then it was up the hill to talk to Jesse and Mariah at Wagner's Wasted Whoopies. We saw and sampled these booze-infused whoopie pies at the Mifflinburg Oktoberfest two months ago. I wanted to get the story. So we're still at the uh, Mifflinburg Chris Kindlemart, and I am with... Jesse and Mariah Wagner, and we are with Wagner's Wasted Whoopies. Okay, I saw you guys at the... Uh, at the Oktoberfest, too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's the what's the deal? Wasted whoopies. So we are <laughs> booze infused and cocktail inspired whoopie pies. Okay. Uh, we take liquor and put it in the icing and try to craft a cocktail out of a whoopie pie. Okay. So uh, peanut butter mudslide, our best selling flavor. Chocolate cake with a peanut butter Bailey's and blue icing. So. All right. But we even go even more cocktail inspired. Uh, we have a Jack and Coke, which is a Coke flavored whoopie pie with a Jack Daniels flavored icing. Oh, okay. Um, we do some other really off the. We walnuts. have over sixty flavors. So. <laughs> yes. So if you check out our Facebook page, that okay, is where our full menu is. And, and that and that's under Wagner's Wasted Whoopies. Yep. yep. Okay. And you're based Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery. Montgomery, Pennsylvania. Where is that? Uh, I don't know that one. The wide spot between Williamsport and Lewisburg on 15. Fair enough. Yep. yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yes, Thank you. Great Cheers. Merry Christmas. Yes, Thank Merry you. Christmas. Let's get the whole flavor of the event now. Family style. Everyone who said anything about the first episode of Seen Through a Glass told me they wanted to hear more from my wife. 
I figured two Bryson women is even better than one, so our daughter Nora joins us for a look back at the festivities. So we're here for the uh, Chris Kindlemart After Action Report with my, my wife, Kathy, and my daughter, Nora. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> we went twice this year, actually. Uh, as usual, we went on Saturday, but Kathy and I went to opening night on Thursday for the, the first time. I mean, we've been going to this for, what, like on and off for six years now? Yeah. We just wanted to see what it was like on Thursday night. What, what did you think of being there opening night? I thought it was great being with the dark and all the cool lights everybody had. And we didn't even know about the lights, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was really, it was nice. And it was nice to be there when it wasn't raining, which is yeah. what we've been the last couple of years. Yeah, really, the weather was pretty perfect this year. Yeah. It was um, clear and cold. Yeah, it was really kind of magical to be walking around at night. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Yeah. On the other hand, I, I, it kind of felt like one of those... You know, like when it's a garage sale that opens at 8 and you get there and there's already a bunch of people there buying all the good stuff. Well, yeah, it was jammed when we got there. Yeah, and we got there at, what, was, 20 to 5 and it op- supposedly opened at 4.30? Or actually 5, it says on the oh, really? program. But, um, I heard some vendors saying there were people there at 3.30. <laughs> so it was packed. I mean, it really... Yeah, really, there were a the lot of people. The crowd was there. already there. Yeah, which, I mean, was not the case last year. Because last year the, the weather wasn't as good either. Right. The other thing we talked about was that the old familiar players were there. I mean, I yeah. remember we last year, it was, and I don't want to be rude to anyone, but it was almost like they had a lower level of stands. Well, they don't think they had as many people either. A lot of people didn't make it. And yeah. it the weather was terrible. And I don't know if some of that was, you know, post just post-COVID. Pretty plus, sure some of it was COVID. Plus the, the weather, but, you know, there was a lot of places that, even had the stands up and the sign up and they weren't there Yeah, weren't there so yeah yeah, last year was kind of tough yeah people seemed so excited to be there they did yeah there was like a a lot of you know electricity in the crowd i guess people were really happy to be there and strollers i saw a lot more strollers this year that (laughs) that one lit up stroller that seemed to be following us around yeah (laughs) nora uh you came along with us on on saturday the first thing i wanted to talk about was the shuttle bus, because uh, the shuttle bus was a lot farther out this year. Yeah. Yeah, like three miles. Yeah. I'm far past school bus age, so it was weird to be on a school bus again. Yeah. So that was a little odd. But, you know, other than that, you know, it's nice. It's a little, sh- like, just a quick shot down the valley. So it's they seem pretty organized. I mean. They did seem organized. A shout out to our driver who had three jokes and repeated them twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were good jokes. Yeah, they stopped uh, <laughs> the first uh, time. The first time. Right? <laughs> so we saw some of the uh, the old familiar faces. Uh, the original Strudel wagons mm-hmm. were there, and and they weren't out of anything Thursday night. Um, yeah, they had everything. Yeah, the Raclette couple was there again this year, and I don't remember ever seeing a line that long. Yeah, to them. it stretched a long yeah. way. Well, they were putting on a show. Like you got to see the whole thing. It wasn't just they were back in their shed, you know, mixing up food magic. They were right. That's out right. There. They were. They had it further out this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, because you know I know what raclette is, but if I didn't know what raclette was, just going, seeing the word ah. raclette, I'd be like, what is it? And then they were very clear about what it was. It's giant cheese shavings, yeah. but they're warm. I don't know exactly. I, I know in my brain what it is, but I don't know how to say it. I got to tell you, after this year, I kind of hope the guy buys another machine. 
Yeah, because it was taking quite a long, a long time. time. Yeah, quite a long time. Um, in fact, it took such a long time that we decided not to get it this year. We yeah. usually do, and uh, and I regret that. Sorry, that we was didn't a get, long line. It was an awfully long line, but there was also the um, the Mifflinburg band boosters always do fresh cut mm. French fries, and I did get them this year. And people were very happy to get them, and people were lined up for them. And, and they do have vinegar, which is great. Ooh. The place right on the corner, I think, what is it? The uh, Is it the Kiwanis that's on the corner selling the, the glue wine, the, the hot mold wine the and the German beers? And what is it, Hartley Township? Oh, that does the fish sandwiches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in line with somebody, and she said... Oh, you know, I don't like any of the things they put on it. So I just get a plain fish and a plain bun. But boy, they're good. <laughs> well, okay, you got to figure it out. Uh, whereas on the other hand, I always go for the uh, the roast beef sandwich with the fried onions and the and the horseradish. And I was just tearing into mine. And a woman came by and was standing next to me. And she was obviously tearing into mine. I said, you know, it'd be almost be worth it. Or tearing into her, excuse me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not. It'd almost be worth it just to have the fried onions and the horseradish. And she's like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) well, yeah, there's some good stuff there. We did see some of the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask you, you didn't get your sausage this year. Again, the line was just. No, I did get one at Oktoberfest, though. So I'm just remembering what that was like. I was pretty happy with that. What did you say it was? Blyler. Blyler. Blyler's Foods. Shout out to them in a huge way. (laughs) Every time I see their stand, I'd like to stop. And apparently, everybody else at the at the market wanted to as well. <laughs> because I I understand wow. they get their sausages in from a place in Illinois. Wow. Yeah. yeah really? They're wow. just like yeah, they're getting some seriously authentic sausage. I'm, I I don't remember seeing Turinger anywhere in Pennsylvania. All the kind of like Germanic food you would want. And then plus like plus stuff Hungarian you've never heard stuff. of, plus Hungarian yes. stuff. Just love their stuff. Love I actually think it's kind of cool you. that there's there's <laughs> Hungarian stuff there. I mean, that's not the only place. There was the were, uh, Chili yeah. Willies had that goulash, goulash that was really good. Yeah. The chimney sticks, they're apparently Hungarian oh, as well. Like, okay. um, kind of their like, sign said Romanian, but I also know that they're popular in like the Czech Republic. I'm just Slovakia. reading off the thing here, and it said okay. Hungarian. Their sign there said Romanian. But they're essentially Eastern European churros. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we did that. We We had our stuff. There's booze there. I, you know, I, I briefly mentioned that, but I wanted to run through it since this is a after all a podcast that is mostly about drinking. Eclipse Craft Brewing, which uh, we covered on the show in the first episode uh, from Sunbury, they were there, and they're new too. They weren't there. They were not there last, before. Last no. couple times we've been. Right? No, and they had. Um, I think they had a mulled cider. It was, oh. but they also had. They had four of their own beers, but then they, they also had a mulled cider. What was the last one I wanted to mention? Oh, the Yeti smoked cheese, mm. uh, which is right there in Mifflinburg. I think they were selling out of their garage. Um, so we got some of that, too. Uh, I got the smoked Munster, uh, which we've been enjoying. But it's not just the main midway of the Chris Kindle Mart. There's, I mean, all of Mifflinburg was was bustling. Oh, I mean, right. it was hard to find parking. I, I let you guys walk out to the shops on Chestnut Street out on Route 45. And I went and got the car. I got on the shuttle bus and went and got the car and waited for you guys. Where did you go? Artisan Co-op, I think. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, so that was a, really cool. A storefront on the main drag that features like art from local artisans. So it's kind of like the Green Drake in Milheim. A lot of re- very cute stuff in there. I wasn't sure if they were volunteers or if they were people who like actually worked there. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. A lot of people were there to help out and point stuff out. And then we went to Stamhouse. Stamhouse. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. 
I was upset to have been left out of the Krampus festivities. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she does have a whole lot of Krampus. Yeah, so uh, we went there. Oh, and, and when you guys, you got your guys' uh, stuff there. When you came back, you were, I'm looking right at the bag right now. You wanted to show off the bag. They have really cool looking bags. Yeah, very, very pretty. We went to the thrift store. And wait, you did get Krampus. Oh, yes. The, yes, yes. Did. I got, uh, got, well, I can't say out loud because it's a present and a surprise. <laughs> uh, but I did get a very cool uh, Krampus ornament that I'm very excited to hang on my tree. Then we went to the thrift store. We went to the American Rescue Workers thrift store because I'm still looking for things to decorate my house with. You found some cute things. It was a very cool building, very high ceilings, like kind of an old fashioned building, lots of like very good furniture and stuff. But then I also found, well, I found a potato masher. You mean like a stomping club like thing? Oh, okay. Because, you know, sometimes you don't want to drag out the hand mixer or feels like cheating. So I got a got a potato masher. And then you get a coffee. Then we went to 45W, Arts and... 45 West, maybe? I don't yeah. know exactly. I think, it's just, I think they just say 45W. All right, well, we went yeah. to 45W. Yeah. And, and looked, uh, at, looked at their art and gifts collection while we waited yeah, for lattes. Yeah, we've wanted to go in there for a yeah. while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. And they have a pretty good food menu, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a special uh, Chris Kindle Mart menu, chili and mac and cheese and oh, stuff cool. like that. And, and they had um, paninis and things like mm-hmm. a regular menu. Yeah, and uh, a, kind of a wide variety of art, like jewelry and things like you'd expect sort of to so find in So stuff for cafe, sale, too. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, jewelry, but they had a lot of, like, PA-centric stuff, just all kinds of, like, clothing. It was it was actually kind of wild. Yeah, it was a big mix. Mm-hmm. Sauces, and there was spices. Oh, wow. And wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Jewelry. I have to admit, when I came driving back on 45 to, to come and, and park and wait for you guys, I, I drove past that taco place, the Tomahawk oh. Tacos. And I'm like, oh. we, we walked past there. We were, yeah, we I said, of. that's the one Dad wants to go I to. I don't really want to go there. Yeah, so, that was the thing. We didn't get to go to everything we wanted to because we kind of right. ran out of steam. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. definitely have to go back. And, and it was really busy. I mean, yeah. it, it, it must be a great weekend for the, uh, for the merchants in yep. town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, of course... This is only coming out. You still got another week before Christmas. Things are still busy in Mifflinburg, yep. and you can still go get some of that. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Rusty Rail on this show too, with their holiday beers, they're all available, and they were doing a land office business right, over yeah, Chris Gillenmark. Yeah, so good time, and we'll be yep. back next year. Thanks, guys. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. I'd have one more drink, but instead, let's have four. I did stop at Rusty Rail Brewing in Mifflinburg a week before Christ Kindlemart to see if they had any holiday taps. Why should I have been surprised that the biggest brew pub in the area, maybe in Pennsylvania, had four of them? I don't usually do flights, the multiple little sampler glasses that brew pubs often offer, but this seemed like the time for it. Here's how they were. I sat at the bar, and there weren't a lot of people there. It was just after opening on a weekday. I ordered up a flight that included the four draft holiday or winter beers they had on. The fifth, Snowflyer, is the one I tasted live earlier. I got it in a can to go. The first I tried was called Luminous, a golden stout with white chocolate and macadamia. I'll be honest, this one, as well as the others, sounded nasty to me. White chocolate and macadamia? Not my cup of tea at all, in a beer mug. But this was very well executed. You can taste everything that goes into this beer. The malts, the white chocolate, the macadamia, even the bite of roasted grain at the end that cleans up the palate for the next sip. 
I don't really like white chocolate, but this was well executed. As I said to Kathy, it's like that book review attributed to Lincoln. People who like this sort of thing will find this the sort of thing they like. The next one, well, I was even less excited about tasting the Vanilla Wolf King, Rusty Rail's Wolf King Imperial Stout made with coffee and oatmeal, and then dosed with vanilla. Probably my least favorite flavor to add to beer. But this was deftly understated on both the vanilla and the coffee. I actually finished the whole sample. It was good. Now, the third one I was actually looking forward to. This was Gingerbread Man, a gingerbread lager. And if you're thinking of gingerbread as sweet, soft stuff, this isn't that. This is a beer boxed in by structural gingerbread, that crispy graham cracker and ginger stuff they build houses with. It's based on an amber lager, but the bright ginger shines through. I'd like to have this with a big bowl of ramen. I saved the weird one for last. Misfit Toys Hot Cocoa Peppermint Stout. But, once again, Rusty Rails Brewers came through with a beer that, if they were going to go mint chocolate, went in the best way. Like a Girl Scout Thin Mint Cookie. And that's the best Girl Scout cookie, and we can fight about that in email if you want to. It's not overly sweet. Balancing the chocolate, dark malts, and bright peppermint. I'm not saying I'd want it every day, but in the weeks before Christmas, I'm down for one. So slide on by Rusty Rail and try some of these. If you like this sort of thing, you will find them to be the sorts of things you like. And if you want more holiday brew pub fun, don't forget, late December marks the anniversaries of the opening of two of our area's longest-running brew pubs, Seelands Grove Brewing on December 21st and Elk Creek Cafe in Milheim on December 22nd. Swing by, remind yourself why they've lasted this long, and tell them you heard it on Seen Through a Glass. Remember, locally made booze and foods make great Christmas gifts, and you still have time to get them. And hey, it's a legit opportunity to pick up something for yourself. If you're running on the ragged edge and just don't have time to pick something out, gift cards to local producers wherever you are. Beer, cider, wine, honey, candy, cheese, crafts, whatever, are quick and easy and tuck into a stocking. Sometimes you can even do the whole thing by email. Whatever you do, support your locals. That's what Seen Through a Glass is all about. Man, is anyone else tired of those bells yet? That's a wrap on our first holiday show. Thanks to John Trogner for hosting us in the back room at Trogues, and to Ed Garrett for joining us for a good time, and of course, my wife Kathy for driving. Thanks to Kay and Guy Stam for fitting our interview into a busy morning at their shop, and to Lucy Rogers and Phil Jensen for the Big Spring Nog story. Thanks again to Kathy and to my daughter Nora for their Chris Kindlemark thoughts, and to Nora for those cookies at Trogues. You can find pictures from these stories on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. Remember, Seen Through a Glass is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please subscribe to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, please take a moment and drop us a rating or review. Thanks. You can always message me to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. Next episode is going to be something. I'm not sure what yet, because we're going to be all over for the holidays. But I do have a great interview with one of the real godfathers of craft beer in Central Pennsylvania, Dave Staub, 
who served top-notch imports and crafts to generations of Penn Staters at Zeno's Pub. We talked about his 37 years at Zeno's, his new project, and more. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays to you all. Until next time, this is Lou Reindeer Wrangler Bryson on Seen Through a Glass, raising a frothy mug to you all from the snowy smack-dab center of the Keystone State.